our scripture this morning, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, and I'm going to read it later in the sermon. So if you want to go ahead and get that ready in your Bible or on your phone, uh, we'll turn to that later. Will you pray with me? May the words of my lips and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, every Christmas growing up, my family was on a strict schedule. By the time the parade was on TV, we were packing the van and over the river and through the woods and down Highway 70 to great-grandmother's house, we went. Then, after a dinner of turkey and ham and venison and butter beans and sweet potatoes and all kinds of sides and desserts and cornbread, Grandma Herring would gather all of her children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren, and she lived to be 101, so eventually it was great great-great-grandchildren. She would say a few words of gratitude and encouragement. She would tell us how much she loved us. And then she would hand out little white bank envelopes with each person's name inscribed in pen. Now, I don't know what the children or the grandchildren got, but the great-grandchildren got five dollars each. When I was young, $5 would buy a lot at the arcade where games were 25 cents or at the dollar store where things were actually still a dollar. And when I got older and $5 didn't seem all that much anymore, my father reminded me to look at all the other people who also got envelopes and to do that mental math and to think about how much of a great sacrifice this was for a farmer who lived on such a fixed income. Now, I know Grandma Herring would have wanted each of us to enjoy our individual Christmas gifts, but and while appreciating her generosity, I have wondered about these envelopes. The same thing that I've wondered about lots of Christmas gifts I've gotten from many people over the years. Gifts that were appreciated and enjoyed, but often just replaced other things in my closet or in my toy box. What if instead of buying each other all these things we may or may not need, what if we put our money together? What great thing could we all do together for someone who really, really needed it? And all of these years later, as I think about the envelopes, I can see the extravagance of the other less tangible but more lasting gifts we received from Grandma Herring. I can see all those invisible envelopes she was handing out. The joy in her smile as she saw each of us as we arrived and called us by name with love as she embraced us. I can see the legacy of her generosity Grandma was known in LaGrange as somebody who would help anybody who needed something. I can see the work ethic she passed down. The other gifts she gave away every year were work gloves for all the men and the boys and Danny does it scrub pads for all the women and the girls. 
As it said in her obituary, always one to be busy, she loved sweeping her house, and in earlier years, sweeping her yard. Yes, of course, all of these values we receive from Grandma Herring have shaped our individual lives, but I now wonder what great thing we could do together as a family if we came together and put together all of the wisdom and the love and the generosity and the servant hearts we inherited from her, working in concert for a greater purpose, helping someone with a greater need. This kind of coming together and joining together our gifts and resources for a greater purpose is God's calling for the church. We see this in the first family portrait of the first church in the book of Acts, starting in chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Awe came upon everyone because many wonders and sighs were being done to the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. And they would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and they ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Now we tend to focus on this part that says that they sold their possessions and goods and distributed the money to anybody who had need. That is just so remarkable to us that we can't help but fixate on it. But before they gave any money away, they gave themselves away to God and to each other. Luke says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They listened as the apostles talked about what Jesus said and did when he was alive and the new ways they were understanding the scriptures after Jesus was resurrected. And as each of the heard these words and applied them to their own life experiences and asked each other questions and shared different perspectives and risked new interpretations and disagreed, they gave and they received the gifts of Jesus' grace and wisdom. Luke says they devoted themselves to fellowship and the breaking of bread. They whipped up old treasured family recipes and broke bread and poured wine, sometimes giving and sometimes receiving. They learned each other's stories, sometimes speaking and other times listening and became friends in a way that's only possible around the dinner table. And they received the gift of koinonia, that Greek word that means not just friendship, but a connection built as somehow mysteriously the Christ in me communes with the Christ in you. And they devoted themselves to prayer, giving themselves to God and each other as they vulnerably shared their celebrations and concerns. They gave themselves over to this idea of God's kingdom coming, not their own, and God's will being done, not their own. They prayed. And in praying like us, they 
didn't always or didn't often receive clear answers, but they received what Jesus said we could count on, the Holy Spirit. And they gave themselves to worship, spending much time together in the temple, collectively, intentionally, regularly giving attention and praise to the Christ who holds this universe together and receiving God's strength from each other. And from all of this time they spent together and all of these shared practices, then came a God-given goal to make sure everyone's needs were met. So then they sold their possessions and pooled their money. All who believed were together and had all things in common. That didn't mean they were the same or agreed on everything. That didn't mean they all had the same gifts or talents or financial capacities. But they had a common belief in Jesus and His way. They had in common this belief that they could do more, that maybe God could do more through them together than they could do on their own. My friends, this is why church exists. Yes, you can read the Bible and all kinds of commentaries and Christian books on your own. You can watch the best preachers in the world from your living room. I am not one of those. And yes, you can gain a lot of knowledge that way. But don't you want more than that? Don't you want to learn the grace and wisdom of Jesus with real people who know your story, who can challenge and encourage you in personal ways, who will ask questions that you've never thought of and propose interpretations that you would have never imagined and that would never pop up as suggestions on your Facebook algorithm? Don't you want that? Sure, you might have all kinds of friends on the playground at pickup or at dance or at the brewery or on the golf course. And yes, it's possible that these people can support you and bring joy into your life. Yes, God uses them to do that. But don't you want more? Don't you want a family of faith? Don't you want koinonia? Fellowship that is based on something deeper than living on the same street or voting for the same president or your kids being on the same soccer team. Fellowship for the purpose of seeking Christ's presence together and following the way of Jesus together. Fellowship full of intergenerational wisdom and experienced hands that reach out to hold babies and experienced hearts that reach out to say, I've been there. God is faithful. You will get through this. As we've been talking about our mission and vision statement, on your sticky notes and your survey responses, the thing you have said the most is that West Maine should be a place where everyone belongs. Don't you want that? Especially in a culture that Pastor Sean prayed about where we are so divided. Sure, you can pray by yourself. Sure, you can hear the best worship music in the world on your AirPods all by yourself. But don't you want more? Because there is something powerful that happens when you are in the sanctuary 
close enough to hear and feel the reverberation of the thanks and praise coming from the lips of your neighbor as you try to blend your voice with the other voices. Because there's something powerful when you can't find your own voice, when your lips move but no sound comes out. And there is something transformative about hearing words of faith, hope, and love prayed over you or sung over you when you can't speak them yourself. Don't you want that? Yes, that old aphorism that one person can make a difference is absolutely true. You can and should help your neighbor get the trash can up the driveway or volunteer at God's storehouse or give that guy a buck on the corner who needs a meal. But don't you want to be a part of something bigger to make a greater impact? To be a part of a family of faith who is pooling their resources to sustain this ministry and maintain this sacred space, but who is also working together to feed the food insecure and house those needing shelter, often nailing the shingles ourselves, and bringing medicines and medical personnel to remote villages in Honduras, and supporting parents facing unexpected pregnancies, and funding a chaplain at the local jail, and supporting missions around the globe. That's where 10% of our budget and many more hours of time go at this church. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of all kinds of things that I haven't mentioned and all kinds of things that haven't yet been dreamed of on this corner? For the last several weeks, our committees and staff have been thinking and praying and talking about what it will take West Maine to fulfill her calling in 2024. We've been creating budgets. We've been thinking and praying and talking about you and your gifts and your passions and your experiences and your perspectives and which committee or leadership position we want to ask you to serve in. In a couple of weeks, you'll receive a commitment card in the mail. And there'll be different boxes to check. I, we commit to praying for West Maine. I, we commit our time and talent to West Maine. I, we commit to give financially as I or we are able. My or our 2024 budget pledge is this. I invite you to continue to commit to praying for this church to pray for our relationships, to pray for our unity, to pray for our growth, to pray for the Spirit's guidance. Prayer is something we can all give. It's something we can all do. I invite you to commit your time and talent at West Main in this next year by serving on a committee or a team or showing up to help with an event. I mean, I know some of you are already pretty stretched and overcommitted. I know others of you might have new availability after retiring or a job change or children going to school or children leaving the house. I invite you all to prayerfully consider giving what time you can to answering the phone when the nominating committee calls or when Robert Bridgeforth calls and says, we could really use somebody else to flip some pancakes.
I invite you to commit to giving financially to West Main this year. I know we all have different financial capacities because of our different ages and stages and circumstances. If you're not currently giving financially, I would challenge you to start small with whatever would be a meaningful but manageable contribution. You can even set up automatic payments with your bank or our website and you don't even have to think about it. If you're already giving financially, thank you so much. You are sustaining the ministry that you see here. But I invite you to consider maintaining your current giving and prayerfully consider increasing your gift. Now you might be at the top of your capacity and if that's you, thank you so much. But you might be able to increase it a percent or half a percent. If you're currently giving but not pledging, I would invite you to prayerfully consider making a pledge because your written intention of what you plan to give helps us so much in our planning. For God, we are all like children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren receiving envelopes white bank envelopes and invisible envelopes full of spiritual gifts and ordinary personal attributes. Invisible envelopes of time and opportunity and attention, this thing we call life. My dad and his siblings and his cousins always had a hard time spending what they called grandma money. They knew how valuable it was. They knew how hard she and their grandfather had worked for it. One of my dad's cousins, Bobby, converted his money into gold and buried it in the ground because he didn't trust banks. Now you might have a cousin like that, and maybe Jesus too, did too because he told a parable about that, but that's another story for another day and another sermon. But I don't think that's what Grandma wanted. and I don't think that's what God wants. God wants us children and grandchildren and great-great-grandchildren and so on to enjoy these gifts. God wants all of us to enjoy these gifts for all of our needs to be met. May it be so. May we share our gifts. May we have all things in common so that God's dream for the world might come true, starting at this corner of West Main and lock it. As I said at the very beginning of the service, most important thing you can give is yourself, your attention, your openness to what God might be doing in your life. If you need to make some kind of public response today, if you want to uh, give a profession of faith or say you want to be baptized or join this church family, we would love to receive you and celebrate you